listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. Well, if you've been living under a rock, you might not hear this. If you listen to Pharmacy Podcast Network, you have heard about this. Dr. Alex, uh, known in the industry through Mark Cuban's Cost Plus Drugs, offers discounted drugs. And we're wondering where it's going, why it was established. It's It seems at face value to be a a strong initiative, a good initiative, having the backing of someone like Mark Cuban, who's very entrepreneurial and very business-driven to disrupt markets. And nothing more needs to be disrupted than the market of pharmacy benefit management and how PBMs are paying for prescriptions. 80% of our um, adjudicated prescriptions are flowing through one of the three biggest PBMs. And we have a segment called uh, PBM Reform Podcast, which is all about exactly that. But the creativity that comes from pharmacy owners throughout the country, people like Dave Marley, who partnered with Medicure out of Canada for a specific distribution of a specific medication. And he's having great success in 49 or 50 of our states in a mail service environment. And the evolution of how DIR fees and insurances and PBMs have crushed the some of the souls of our pharmacy owners and in and making things so complex uh, to do business. What that's created is opportunity for things to be invented that have never been seen in the pharmacy sector before, except in yesteryear long ago when you used to pay cash for everything. But uh, that's not the case anymore, and we know it. But I'm excited to welcome three Pittsburghers, Go Pittsburgh. They're all pharmacy owners. They've all been part of the pharmacy market, but they all have slightly different models, but they all think that the patient's needs in some ways aren't being met and therefore as entrepreneurs are creating some very interesting and aggressive models. And I'm proud to have all three of them. Uh, Dr. Kyle McCormick of Blueberry Pharmacy, uh, Dr. Chris Antipas from Asti South Hills Pharmacy and Acor RX uh, developer, entrepreneur, Sean Naren. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network, gentlemen. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, Thank you, us. sir. Dan has to pay Chris when he uses the term Asties. So we'll be using it several times throughout the uh, event today. <laughs> and if you hashtag Asti Pharmacy, you will receive a U.S. Army <laughs> shirt and a $50 donation back to uh, Asti's um, non-profit, right? Something like that. I don't, I don't want to confirm or deny any of those statements. <laughs> I want to start off with Kyle because you're kind of the star of today's show. And that is um, you come to your wife one night and you say, I'm pissed off at the status quo. I want to invent some cash-based mechanism, relationship, payer ability for my patients to walk up, get uh, extremely high-quality pharmacy services, but pay a fee and let's get rid of the PBM. Can you tell us about how that came to be and, and where you are today with that? 
Yeah, um, I honestly don't remember how it came to be. I mean, it was just a progression over time. I think initially, you know, what drove me to create this model was kind of three trends that I saw happening. Uh, the first of which was pharmacy reimbursement going down. Um, you know, I've been in pharmacy now since 2010, uh, graduated 2014, and I can't remember a year that decreasing pharmacy reimbursement wasn't discussed. Um, and so that's, you know, a combination between not only um, decrease reimbursement, but increase fees, all that stuff. Um, and so it just seemed like, you know, if I want to open up a, a pharmacy, which has always been an interest of mine, I can't do a traditional pharmacy um, just because it, if re reimbursement keeps falling, how, how's that possible? Um, and so um, the other trend was increasing drug, generic drug utilization. Um, so generic, not only that, but also generic drugs deflate over time. Um, and so, you know, uh, I look to several of the drugs that I first purchased in, in, in March 2020, and I'm getting them cheaper now than I was then. So the cost of generic drugs go down over time. Um, and that won't always happen. Uh, zero is the bottom, so there'll never be zero. Um, but they'll, they'll be consistently low over time. And then the last uh, trend was the increased out-of-pocket burden for patients. Um, I always think of this patient that walked in. Uh, at the pharmacy I used to work at, Gaddy Pharmacy, and um, she had a $300 plus month copay for generic solofenacin. And since I work in an independent, I knew that you know we were paying probably $10 for that, that bottle. And so um, it, it just seemed to make sense to, to um, you know, why, why would we charge somebody that high cost whenever we could just charge you know a fair, transparent price? They would save money. I would keep it out of Medicare's hands, and uh, we would make a you know a fair profit each time. And so I decided to open up a cost plus pharmacy. That's really interesting. When I think of the evolution of of you, Sean Naren, in in the Carnegie Pittsburgh area where you started off as really the key pharmacist operator in a, in a multitude of of pharmacies and really was looked at as someone that was driving some of the operational decisions as well as some of the growth strategies and marketing. And that evolved to your closed door community pharmacy, which is AcorX, which was recognized as one of uh, Pittsburgh's fastest growing companies. And, um, and you're still uh, getting a, a ton of attention because of that closed door um, element to, to deliver services to home care, to deliver services to patient that that are um, are not able to get out um, uh, based on their condition. But can you kind of expand upon what Kyle was sharing and some of the strategies that you see paralleling what you started with AcorX? Yeah, and I think the common thread, you know, between everybody on this call and you know, a lot of real, you know, ballers, so to speak, in the pharmacy space is the ability to think outside the box. Um, you know, I see a lot of things that happen, for example, and I'm going to use this, this is kind of a double-edged sword, but like good RX, right? I think that's sort of demonizing, it's sort of bastardizing pharmacy, but at the same time, I wish I invented it because it's a grand slam of, of, of how it works. I mean, granted, I think those guys had a bad stock day yesterday for whatever reason, but that's beside the point. The, um, there are a lot of opportunities in pharmacy but they're not the traditional pathway. And, and you guys, you know, the opportunities abound, but they just have to figure out 
uh, you know, what is the next opportunity or what is an opportunity, you know, that I as a person can get into because I like that idea. I think it has value. I think I like to do it. Um, there's tons of them. I mean, look at, you know, look at every day on the internet, there's another internet pharmacy opening up. We had talked a little bit earlier about, uh, you know, about the um, ADD pharmacies that are online and the migraine pharmacies that are online. And of course, Roe and Hims, those guys started off, you know, with the uh, Viagra, so Denafil online. I mean, there are opportunities. There's opportunities in the clinical space. The best opportunities are not in the traditional model. And I think, um, you know, conceptually, what I did is a parallel to what Kyle did because it's outside the box. Nobody knew, nobody really thought about why don't we do what we do in the LTC space for people in nursing homes? Why don't we just transfer that to people that live at home? Why can't they get the same packaging, the same delivery, kind of the same service level that a long-term care pharmacy person gets? Frankly, I mean, we don't have enough nursing homes in this country as these as the boomers age over the next 10, 15, 20 years. I don't think we could build enough nursing homes to accommodate them. So I think the whole healthcare model in aging is, is going to morph into aging at home uh, even more so than it is now to where aging at home is going to become the norm. So that's my space. Kyle has his, Chris has his, you know, in theory, Todd, you have your space. So everybody has to find a space that they're comfortable in and then, you know, sort of manage that to try to make a living and or better or be a trendsetter or be a leader of the pack. And, you know, when you find those guys that are, you embrace them and you listen to what they do and you bounce ideas off of them and you, you know, leverage the friendships and the knowledge that you have. And it's a win-win for everybody. Chris, if I were to break your business up into islands and then build a, a a wall around it and call it something, I have no idea what we would name it because the islands that you are creating and you're building right now, which always puts your patients first, but what you're doing is you're crawling down into the complex intricacies and the complex processes of specialty pharmacy and you're assuring your payers that your patients are going to be adherent they're going to use technology. They're going to use mobile apps. You're going to back up analytics with some of the procurement uh, strategies that you have in place. I mean, if I could franchise Dr. Chris Antipas and and make the Chris Antipas franchise for every community pharmacy that wanted to tap into being this high high revving producers of pharmacy care, that's what I would do because I I see the future. Of, of how many multi sets that you have, but can you summarize your islands of services um, in, in the great city of Pittsburgh and, and what you're doing and, and how this plays into the evolution of the next gen pharmacy provider? Yeah, I would say that, you know, we definitely have a lot going on at Asti's, um, but really in line with what Sean and Kyle have talked about, it boils down to stepping outside of the line. Our, our core foundation has been traditional retail pharmacy, but over that same period that Kyle described, it's just become less and less desirable from a sustainability perspective. We all run businesses and we have to be sustainable and traditional retail pharmacy. While we do a lot of it, it has fallen out of favor uh, in place of other innovative strategies. And <clears throat> You know, I sit back and I look at Kyle's model 
it's one of those scenarios where if you can't, you can't undo a foundation that you've built on processing through insurance, but I can tell you it's very appealing. And if you can get it off the ground, I think that there's tremendous value and there's a tremendous success pathway for that type of model. We're built on a different chassis, but we're doing traditional retail. We have a, an accredited compounding, non-sterile compounding lab. We do an extensive adherence packaging program. We do closed door long-term care. We have a 50 state licensed dual accredited specialty pharmacy that is now in the digital health space with patents on devices that go in the home, remote physiologic monitoring, remote therapeutic monitoring. The list goes on and on. 340B, there are lots, there are so many problems in healthcare today. And innovative individuals can take advantage of these opportunities and help a tremendous number of people and run a successful business while doing so. I do employer-based consulting. I work with large self-insured employers and I'm, you know, I have visibility to see all of the struggles that they face. And so really Asti's and all the companies that are under our umbrella are aimed to start solving those problems. And I think Sean hit the nail on the head. It's we're, we're stepping outside of the box and you know, there are a lot of community pharmacies out there that may not survive the current climate, but those of us that are stepping outside of these traditional lanes, taking advantage of number one relationships uh, and number two, our ingenuity and market knowledge, we, we're set up to be successful for the long haul. There's just so much opportunity. And I think um, one thing that uh, Chris left out is he's one of his core technologies is a cloning technology somehow because uh, <laughs> there's no possible way that one single human being can do all the stuff that he does. So. <laughs> and, and listen, he also performs a wedding and bar mitzvahs. So, you know, it's, it's quite the show. It's really quite the show. He does the knees and the symbols and all that stuff. I went to a meeting back in October and uh, I was like, I was under the assumption that I was the only pharmacy, you know, presence there and whatnot. And, and it's in the North Hills, right where I'm located. And sure enough, I go there and uh, Chris is there like literally everywhere. He's literally everywhere. So I I just swear he's cloned at this point. So I, I have paid attention to the things that all three of you are doing. And one of the characteristics of the three of you that you share is that you don't keep everything to yourself. You're not building, you know, um, a, a secret society of yourself to keep the marbles and the playbook. Um, Kyle, you have come out. I thought you were going to say, Todd. I thought you were going to say we're all good looking. I mean, but I'll take what you <laughs> other said. Than, other than the, I will take what you said, and I appreciate it. But good looking yeah. would have gone much further with us. The best looking Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh pharmacy owners uh, in Western Pennsylvania, definitely. But cost plus pharmacy consulting is a uh, reflection of the way that you think, Kyle, because you are putting out the, the blueprint and the playbook out there so other pharmacy owners can break away from the hostage uh, environment that they live in, which is serving one of the three biggest PBMs processing 80% of all of the prescriptions of our 330 million Americans that are out there. Can you kind of elaborate on, on what, what you're trying to do and, and how 
you think the long term of that consultancy can really change some things. Yeah, and I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, I, I, yeah, so we just launched Cost Plus Pharmacy Consulting, and really the mission of Blueberry Pharmacy has always been to accelerate the transition to a fair price, transparent uh, model for, for drug pricing. Um, and that's kind of adopted from a big fan of Tesla and Elon Musk, where so you'll notice some similar wording uh, in those mission statements. But really, you know, um, if I think about the fastest way to accelerate something, it's, it's probably not opening up a whole bunch of individual locations and whatnot. It's really helping other people transform or, or um, so, so instead of a blueberry on every corner, it's really helping en engage the, the pharmacists that already exist all throughout the country and helping them to do something similar. Um, and so really that's the whole idea of the, the cost plus pharmacy consulting. Um, you know, one of the core philosophies that we see is none of these products are fundamentally insurable products. Uh, you know, all, all 700 plus medications that we have on hand or, or even more that we can order. Um, our, the average acquisition cost on a 30 count supply of everything in the store is $3 and 79 cents. Um, and so to think that insur somehow insurance getting involved on this routine medication would somehow lower the cost or make it more affordable is just, um, you know, untrue because um, they have to take their cut and then the pharmacy still has to make uh, enough profit to be sustainable. So they're fundamentally non-insurable products. Um, and, and so, you know, if I look to the future, I, I see, um, you know, generics being bought and sold in open transparent marketplace. Uh, in the community that the patient lives in. It doesn't make sense for a five cent amlodipine to be mail ordered from Texas to Pennsylvania whenever there's, you know, I don't know how many 50 plus pharmacies in, in Pennsylvania that all have uh, two, a thousand plus tablets sitting on their shelves. Um, it just, it doesn't, there's no way that that lowers cost of care or makes it more accessible or any of that. Um, and so we look to the future, you know, Generics make sense to be housed in communities where the patients need them and, and, and be done in a cost plus manner to, to make them the most affordable. Um, and then we have a brand specialty that honestly make the most sense to be mail ordered to patients. Um, you know, it makes a lot, especially if you look at the drug pipeline, a lot of them are, and Chris can even talk to this more, but a lot of them are for, you know, rare disease states or, you know, uh, very high cost um, uh, or very high touch. Uh, and, and so, uh, it makes a lot more sense to find the, you know, 5,000 patients along the, around the country that need those and send it directly to those patients versus having them go through wholesaler networks or, or you know, individual pharma, 20,000 plus independent pharmacies across the nation and have some on hand maybe go expired, things like that, that all increase the cost and, and inefficiencies of, of providing, you know, brand specialty. So you know, that, if that's our future, then there's going to be a lot more of cost plus um, pharmacies out there. And so us helping to, to accelerate that future definitely is what excites us. Chris, I want to be, I don't know if you call it devil's advocate or tough love, but when I think of cost plus drugs or cost plus anything, I think of commoditizing pharmacies still. I'm trying to get pharmacists out of thinking like that. I want consultant pharmacists. I want, there's 311,000 active pharmacists in the United States. I want 30% of them in the next two to five years to be doing nothing but consulting, meeting with primary care, meeting with specialists, meeting with knee people repair, meeting with dermatologists and becoming an extension of the services that we deliver to our communities through pharmacy services and charging above and beyond a dispensing fee 
for services that are coming from a farm D that knows a lot more than just how to put the, the pills from the big bottle in the small bottle and all of the other nuances that come with the assumption of what pharmacists are doing. So Kyle has an angle. It's a necessary angle to break up the status quo. It's disturbing the big three. It's going to have an impact. We're going to be able to see the domino effect. But tell me how we bridge from cost plus and and charging our consumers a prescription fee that they think it's packed into everything that you do as a community pharmacy owner, and it shouldn't be. There should be other fees there for medication management and, and consultancy and other things. But talk about the transition from commodity to pharmacy care. Yeah, I think it's – yeah, I think it's a great question, but I think I have a great answer to respond to it. Pharmacy medications are a commodity. They are a commodity, right? We buy and sell products. They are a commodity. And unfortunately, we've allowed large organizations to solely focus on the commodity aspect. The reality is that we, in through this commodity, have a tremendous point of leverage to deliver patient care. A pharmacist from a call center will never be as effective as a pharmacist that is handing a patient a commodity that they believe is going to improve their health. We rely on medications. And, and we pay for these medications. We expose ourselves to adverse effects from these medications in an effort to get better. And combining the product, the commodity, with an objective to improve patient care is an unbelievable point of leverage that no other healthcare provider can, can lean on. So we're going to leverage the commodity and then we're already working CPESN, our Pennsylvania chapter of PPCN, in, in establishing the pharmacist as a healthcare provider. And really, where I think, and you know, I don't I don't speak for Kyle, but you know, insurance companies like they you insure care and, and maybe we don't need to insure primary care, just like we don't need to insure low cost medications. Maybe we don't need to insure primary care uh, in the same vein. But the reality is that there is a vested interest by payers in the marketplace that they want for, for cost purposes, they want people to be healthier. And so pharmacies can and are today being compensated for providing clinical services to do that. And I don't know, maybe maybe Kyle can be credentialed as a medical provider and get paid by the medical insurance at some point in the future. If I'm thinking creatively, I'm chasing down areas and lines of revenue. And our, as I said, and I'll say it again, our biggest asset is the fact that we give patients a product that they want. And the pharmacists that care and are interested in building a model of clinical care and outcomes focused, et cetera, we're going to win because we have this advantage. So I don't know if that really addresses your questions. And I'm, you know, I'm sure Kyle and Sean have commentary on that, but uh, huge opportunity. And I'll, I'll actually um, take what you said, Chris, and I I probably can't remember it exactly, but you said 
take this commodity, this medication, and pair it with, and what what did you say? Pair it with. You 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 pair, pair the commodity with. with a clinical service with clinical exactly. compassion and exactly. You know, all so you above. take you take the cost, the commodity cost, and pair it with the cost of the service, and now you get cost plus drug. And so um, essentially. Right. I understand where you're coming with Todd with, um, you know, the commodity of medication and they are commodities. Um, but cost plus is actually at its core valued as a, we, we, we are actually getting paid for our service and as opposed to um, the traditional model, which um, some insurance contracts are accepted at, you know, the dispense fee is 25 cents or something, you know, ridiculously low, or I don't know if they even exist as dispense fee of zero, but I've definitely seen 25 cents dispensing fees and then you've got to make up money and somehow you know buying low or selling high or you know like the awp based game or something like that whereas what the idea of cost plus does is it's saying you, there's the value for every time you do a drug utilization review counsel a patient like if you look at what's in, in obra 90 that by law we're supposed to be doing for patients it's um very detailed and not actually happening in, in reality for a lot of a, a lot of pharmacies um, and that's because, you know, that that service piece of dispensing is not actually properly reimbursed. And so if we add a cost plus that actually covers for that that care, that service uh, of dispensing, where a lot of those those things can happen, um, then then, um, you know, we're actually being valued for that for that service of dispensing for, the, for all the, that goes into that. So um, definitely there's a commodity associated with medication, but the, the service piece, that plus piece is not at all a commodity. I'm glad you made that point. And I think of adding services to cost plus models means that it is plus. It could be added on and you could express to your mm -hmm. patient, hey, if you want to, you want to dig down into your 8, 10, 12 medication and the conditions that you have, let's sit down for 40 minutes to an hour and do exactly that. But we it, already do that. Yep. It will be a, it will be a cost yeah. plus environment to. Yep. To yeah. We do. We charge consultation fees. Um, so, so, um, so yeah. So in the core, so why we went with there's a uh, pharmacy out there. There's strictly cost plus, you know, you have your, your medication, you add a $10 dispense fee. There's a couple of issues with that. Like whenever you get many, many medications that that starts to get pretty expensive. And if you think about like the, um, the amount of effort and, and clinical cognitive services that go into you know, first fill, you know, you have to do the transfer, the, the more extensive do you are, um, making sure that all the medications are safe for the patient, all that stuff. But say you have a patient with 10 medications and every month is the same time of 10 medications. Um, to justify this, the, the um, you know, a higher cost plus um, on the cost plus side, each month for each of those medications, whenever there's nothing really changing, it, you know, it's a little high for the patient. So that's why we added on the membership component that lowers the cost plus to purely cover the cost of dispensing. Um, but then you, you get a per month, per member per month membership fee, which is, a, you know, kind of what we're searching for in the, in the um, CPSN, the PPCNs of the world is that per member per month fee for managing the patient's medication. And that's what we're already getting at Blueberry in the form of a membership. Um, and so, uh, and we view that membership as more of a medication management fee. Patients view it as a way to save save on their, you know, cost pluses. Um, but really the idea there is it's, it's a lot like, you know, a gym membership, you know, the basic gym membership gets you access to the weights, access to the, to the, um, to the, the treadmill and whatnot, but there's 
like you said, a lot of opportunity for added services. Um, so whether that's, as Chris mentioned, uh, paid for by an, a medical insurance side or, or just something that you offer on a cash-based side, but you can add in, you know, um, you know, uh, diabetes self-management education. You can add in, you know, testing services and and all of that. That's you know could be built all on this. The idea of making a membership-based pharmacy, though, that is like the the base um, tenant. And then you can add from there. Sean, according to the latest NCPA Digest report. 47% uh, of independent community pharmacists are providing long-term care pharmacy services to their patient. These patients are at home, they're stuck at home, they're not really able to get out. You're not being compensated for some of those services because you're not considered to be a long-term care pharmacy. And that's frustrating because of the what else you're doing for uh, your uh, community and patient base. How do we take some of the cost plus thoughts add in some of the consultancy, add in some of the testing, add in immunizations, um, add in efficacy, you know, abilities and DNA testing and PGA. Like, how do you, how do you manage that to continue AcorRx growing? Um, well, I mean, so there's a lot in there, right? So you kind of have to peel it off, you know, point by point, but there, the, the opportunity is CMS just came out maybe within the last two months, at least, to say, to recommend that the PBMs should start paying for at-home services to the same level that they do in the LTC space. Uh, so that was more guidance than a directive, but you can see the gradual trend towards at-home. I mean, you know, I mentioned, you know, before when, when I, we kind of was, was going over my sort of bio that there are just, I mean, we don't have a solution for the aging of the people in this country, specifically where we are. And we're one of the oldest pockets, uh, Allegheny County is specifically one of the oldest counties in the country. Uh, we don't have enough beds in the traditional model. So we have to create an at-home model that works. NCPA is working on an at-home model. Uh, Bree Morris is really leading the charge there. SCPC, which is a long-term care pharmacy uh, organization is pounding away in the at-home space, as are the buying groups, MHA, Jerry Med, Innovatics. Everybody is trying to uncork what at-home can bring for people. But to Kyle's point, the per patient per month is kind of the gold standard of how this should work, at least that I've heard. And that's where I'm sort of hanging my hat. I mean, there's you know, there's a cumulative value in a per patient per month that, you know, in my space, you know, less Kyle's, but in my space and Chris's space, that an insurance company can benefit greatly by, you know, utilizing my services in a per patient per month model. So, you know, what does it look like exactly? I don't know that anybody knows. Today, maybe it's a unicorn, but there is, you know, there are pieces and parts that can be fitted together to make a strong clinical, you know, a pharmacy or a service that can be dispensing the drugs, delivering the drugs, providing the clinical services, providing the flu shots, providing, you know, sort of a whole at home, almost think about a nursing home without walls, sort of a virtual nursing home model. Maybe that's teaming up with other 
healthcare providers. Maybe it's a pharmacy and a doctor and a home care agency. You know, it's kind of I created ACOR to to be in uh, to work with the pharmacy for ACOs. That never really materialized specifically, but I don't know that ACOs really materialized specifically. There are some variations of ACOs out there, but it never caught on like, like uh, you know, like they thought it would. It never replaced the HMO. But uh, you know, if you get a lot of, if you get the healthcare entities all rowing in the same direction, you know, you can you can help a patient. You can reduce costs. I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunity there. When I was at the PDS conference in Orlando, uh, Pharmacy Development Services, we met up with Happier at Home, and it's a franchise teaching community pharmacies to leverage um, services that you are probably already um, delivering, but it's teaching to, to, to have you charge for those services and show family members that, in fact, you're going to pay for these services anyway, so why not pay your community pharmacist who already has the reputation in place. And I, I think it's a an, an amazing model. And I think it's what you've already started with ACORRX, Sean, and, and many of the services that you provide. Uh, it's just a shout out to the uh, 20,000 plus community pharmacies throughout the country. And that is, you know, prepare your uh, patients and communities to absorb more services from you that you're going to get from someone else anyway, especially if you're uh, father, your mother, your great aunt is is a, a, is a shut in and they're not able to get out of the home. You have to uh, keep in touch with them, whether that be through patient monitoring services or special dispensing apparatuses that sit in the home that communicate with internet connectivity back to the pharmacy, back to the electronic health record and so on. But the most innovative, um, the, the pharmacy owners that there's no grass under their feet because they just keep moving and they keep thinking of out of the box services. This isn't just about creating new pathways for revenue. It's services that are desperately needed by the patient base and the people in your community. They desperately need these services. And, I, and it's in, in my biasness of being um, a pharmacist fan, it should be coming from community pharmacy. And um, I'm excited to, uh, to, to talk more about what Kyle, what you're doing with Cost Plus uh, Pharmacy Consultancy Services. There will be links in our show notes to that, as well as to um, the the empire that uh, that you've built, Chris, through Asti Pharmacy, and uh, links to AcorX to to reach out to Sean and ask him questions about what he's done in the home care space and and how you've built an extremely unique and now very recognized entity in Greater Pittsburgh and serving uh, the great city of, of Carnegie. I'm excited to be friends with the three of you. I'm proud of what you've done in the pharmacy space. I'm gonna uh, open up for one more uh, question in closing, and that is um, the, the thought of innovation. I'm headed to several conferences, including the American Pharmacists Association in March, and this will be out before that. But I always look forward to talking with um, pharmacy owners and pharmacists about innovation, whether that's technology innovation or whether that's process innovation or business model innovation, what's on the horizon? I'm going to start with Chris. Yeah, so that's a loaded question, uh, as you know. Um, but I would say that for me, innovation is found where the biggest problems are, you know, essentially growing and fostering. And right now, we have a major issue 
with chronic diseases. And so any solution out there that can drive clinical outcomes and maybe more so accountability to medications. In some of the consulting work that I do, one of the first thing I say to a large employer that's spending millions and millions of dollars a year to get their employees medications is, we view pharmacy and pharmacy costs and medication costs as a cost center, a cost to be managed. But the reality is that medications are an investment. They are an investment that needs to be managed. And when you're investing in these drugs, you need to know if they're working. And I see community pharmacy in a tremendous position, regardless of your economic model, regardless if your cost plus or your billing insurance, if you have a model that will essentially instill accountability to outcomes for the patient, the medication itself, and the provider, you will have a successful business. There's no question about it. So innovation is in accountability and outcomes, in my opinion. Kyle, innovation and blueberry pharmacy, what, what's on the horizon? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, innovation is such a loaded like word. Uh, cause, um, yeah, I like, I live in a crypt, crypto world too. So <laughs> I think of like, you know, how blockchain could really disrupt healthcare, how, how, yeah. um, you know, payments could be disrupted, how, um, I think of, um, you know, uh, one of the biggest innovations is more so the word disruption. I mean, uh, if you look at, you know, what we're really trying to do is disrupt, um, uh, the PBM based world, um, PBMs really don't need to be involved in generic drug transactions. Um, we know that's where they make a lot of their money. So, um, and things like, you know, GoodRx, they exist to basically keep drug prices inflated in an AWP based world. And so that we can charge higher, um, you know, we don't necessarily get paid higher. So, so, um, you know, GoodRx makes 500 or 700 some million dollars, um, a year saving people money. Um, but we know that we could easily overnight cut out $700 million of drug costs um, if we got rid of GoodRx. So, so there's just a lot, of, um, a lot of innovation in my mind is making healthcare more efficient uh, and, and the efficiencies. Uh, if you look at like a drug supply chain right now and all the different relationships that exist between PBMs, pharmacies, wholesalers, providers, you know, all the, the money exchanging hands and all that stuff, one of the biggest innovations or disruptions is just say, hey, you know, in generic drugs, why are all these channels happening whenever, you know, we can actually, the lowest cost is achieved by just working directly with a patient and a pharmacy. Uh, and, and that's the, 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 the quickest way and the, the cheapest way and the most disruptive way. So I think, um, you know, a lot of it, the future in my world is going to be, you know, um, how do we help others get there? How do we um, create the, um, the wraparound services so that we aren't um, solely disconnected from the rest of the world. Like, you know, why can't, why can't I offer vaccines through, you know, medical billing side or something like that? Something that's truly insurable. That's a societal good. Why do I have to contract with PBMs to do it? Like, um, it's just, it, um, you know, why can't, why can't we do medical side or something like that? So, and we can, so it's more of just like creating that possibility. Uh, and, and so that we're, you know, still offering all those, um, truly insurable things on the insurance side and, and everything else that's not insurable on the non-insured side. 
Innovation, Sean, ACARX, your Pittsburgh presence, uh, what's on the horizon for you and your business? Well, promise me next time we do this, I get to go first because those guys stole all the good answers. <laughs> so, you know, but, but I will give you mine. And I think, uh, and I'll give you a two-part one, but I'll keep it, you know, relatively quick. I think that innovation technology, without a doubt, is going to change the healthcare world. It's going to change every industry that exists. Everything now is tele. Every version of a pharmacy has a website or web access where you can see a physician and get your drugs. RPM exists. RTM exists. Uh, devices in people's homes that manage those. The, the technology is there. You got to find somebody to pay for it, which is the first problem, right? I mean, we all, the technology exists, but until you can get it down to where it's affordable by whoever's going to pay for it, either the consumer or the health plan, you know, you're kind of at a crossroads, but I think that day will come. I think there's a lot of smart people working in that space. You and I discussed my biggest mission for this year is to try to figure out what tech can I add to Acor to make it a little sexier? you know, get, get better outcomes, have a better product to sell. I think, uh, you know, in my world, as opposed to Kyle's, the health plans are my primary payer. What do they need? Right. So two things I would say to that. Number one, you have to be careful because healthcare is not necessarily scalable or it is tech worthy, but you can't lose sight of the customer because healthcare is personal to people. This is why traditionally healthcare is not scalable. You know, this is why big pharmacies, you know, ultimately aren't going to make it. This is why Amazon will probably never get pill pack off the ground in its current sort of model because it's not scalable. This is why health plans, I think I saw just the other day that Centene might even be trying to sell Panther RX already. I mean, it's just not a scalable product if you want good results. You can scale it for cost savings, but I don't know that you can scale it for results. And then my second part of that answer is you still, it is, you know, the 21st century. Technology is going to be huge in healthcare and improving outcomes. And so you have to be aware of what's going on there. And I think I would say in that context that Pharmacy, when you have a profession or a business model that's as old as pharmacy, you kind of have to break it and then fix it again in a new model, in a new look. And until we are willing to break pharmacy and not put Band-Aids on it all the time, uh, you know, and really change the model, i.e. what Kyle's doing, what Chris is doing, um, you know, until that becomes the norm, healthcare is always just going to, it's going to suffer. It's going to be this this swollen, bloated money suck that, you know, only works for the people at the top. So I think the solution is break it and fix it using technology, but just don't lose sight of the fact that it's healthcare is personal to the, to the patient. I'd also like to make the point uh, within the, the, the word innovation. Um, and that is an, an opportunity to innovate the status quo into something fresh, just like you're saying, Sean, and breaking something and presenting your community with something that seems novel. And in, in fact, it's just repackaged. And we have organizations doing this all the time, including our Cuban cost plus drugs. It's a, it's a repackage of an existing 
uh, service and, and strategy that was invented by pharmacy owners like Kyle that had been practicing and doing this. And now, it, you know, in Kyle's, uh, you know, aim, his blueprint is being offered to other pharmacy owners to connect with him through his consultancy. But 12 million people die every year from chronic diseases. If you're a community pharmacist and you decide, hey, my name is Asti Pharmacy, but we are a HIV specialty pharmacy, or my name is Sean Naren and I have ACORX, but we're a specialty diabetes care provider, or this is Blueberry Pharmacy, we're a cost plus drugs pharmacy, but we concentrate on pain management and, and medication um, adherence for uh, people that are going through opioid usage disorder. There are conditions out there that if you tell your community, you repeat to your community that you're giving them service, you're giving them guidance, you're giving them empathy, love, uh, direction, that's much more than just the dispensing of the medication, but really becoming a conduit of expertise of something that you're doing every day. You're just not marketing it as something um, novel. And so deliver people that are listening right now, these pharmacy owners are listening right now, realize that your community only knows what you tell them in the capacity of medication management. So teach them what you're capable of doing through marketing, through social media, through your Facebook, through podcasting, for goodness sakes. Every community pharmacist, here I go, every community pharmacist that has some extra time should be delivering a 30-minute to one-hour podcast at, at a minimum of once per month to your community so that they can hear from you, who is the subject matter expert around medication management and better living and telling them what you're doing in HIV and hep C and hyperlipidemia and sickle cell and pain management and anything else that you're doing, but reinvent the status quo and deliver it to your community um, with the knowledge that you're packed with. Um, I love what the three of you are doing. I'm so proud that you're from Pittsburgh. This is our, um, we should we should have a, a Pittsburgh monthly show that's all about what Western Pennsylvania is doing in the innovation of pharmacy, but excited to be here, excited to be talking with the three of you. And um, we got to meet up at, at Permanage or something soon and, and get some sandwiches. And that, I'll see you there and that. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here with these all-stars. So as, as always, you're the true rock star on this call, Todd. Appreciate it. The Toddcaster, the Todd father. The Todd father. father. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for all. listening. Thank you for 13 years of, of podcasting for my most favorite providers, my heroes in, in healthcare, our pharmacists. If there's anything that the pharmacy podcast can do for anyone listening, if it's finding a new career, if it's um, being uh, introduced to a pharma manufacturer, if it's a technology company, please reach out to us. We actually have a staff now. It's not just a one-man show anymore, and we're ready to do as much work as possible in the communications field and even social media to help uh, pharmacy continue to grow and continue to serve our communities. And thank you so much for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Mm -hmm.